Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi everyone and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello everyone and welcome to the Phileas Club. This is a show where we cover the news from the video game industry and we try to put it into a form that is easily understandable and fun to listen to. My name Patrick? is Patrick Beja. Yes, yes. You what? said Phileas Club, you didn't say Pixels. Oh my god, all right. I'm not redoing <laughs> this intro. Uh, I, th- th- this is the second time and you know, a long time ago I used to do the intros like three or four times because I really wanted to get it right. But now it's been 10 years I'm doing this podcasting thing. I'm like, whatever. Just let's roll with it. How's it going, Joss? Good. It's just like, yeah, they know what they're listening to. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, this is Pixels. It's a show about video games. My name is Patrick and Joss is joining me from Canada. So... Um, I'm usually, I'm often doing the show with Americans and, uh, it's the first time I think I'm doing the show with a Canadian. Uh, um, Should I be expecting some uh, wildly different experience? Uh, I'll probably be very quiet. I'll let you finish your thoughts. Um, (laughs) I know, right? It's it's (laughs) totally unheard of in some (laughs) podcasting communities, but, uh, yeah, no, you, I'll just kind of let you take the reins and I'll be, I'll be very polite and I'll probably apologize because I've clearly done something wrong already. Well, I think the first thing already, actually, you're right. Um, you know, I almost, almost uh, brought in a, a note from my mom to excuse myself from the show because uh, I, I, the, the, the Overwatch beta started an hour ago and I could be playing the Overwatch beta right now. And instead, well, I mean, it's nice to be recording with you. So, all right. All right. That, that's, it's the Canadian effect. So there you go. <laughs> But uh, yeah, let's let's do this show. We're going to be professional, but we are going to try and uh, and and do it relatively quickly so we can go play Overwatch, right? Absolutely. All right, but we do have the, now. It's it's a pretty meaty show. Uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. There's the PlayStation Neo that uh, the news broke basically a day or two after uh, the previous show. So I think most people are going to be familiar with what it is, um, but we're still going to go over it. And then there's the Nintendo NX, which hasn't kind of been announced, but the date and a couple of details. Um, so we're going to be talking about that too. Uh, it's been something that we've been curious for, for months and we've been speculating about for months. Um, but first, PlayStation Neo. Um, what is that exactly? So Neo is the code name um, for the next version of the PlayStation 4. So it won't be, uh, it, you know, it's the, the PlayStation improved version that we had been uh, discussing for a while. Um, the news was uh, uh, broken, I guess, by Giant <laughs> Bomb. <laughs> they broke the news uh, through a... Uh, 
piece of uh, technical documentation they obtained from developers that had received it from Sony. So it's still in rumor state-ish, but it's it, it, as rumors go, it's pretty solid. Um, so what it's going to be is a new version of the PlayStation 4 that is going to be capable of displaying 4K images. The games are probably not going to be 4K, but uh, or maybe they're going to be upscaled to 4K, but not uh, actually rendered in 4K. Uh, but they will have some better, maybe better texture, better uh, graphics in general. And it might uh, influence the... VR experience as well with the PlayStation VR because the PlayStation Neo is going to be uh, noticeably more powerful. Now, Sony has been is being very clear in their documentation saying they the developers have to maintain good quality on the PlayStation uh, on the basic PlayStation as well. Uh, the PlayStation Neo will be able to run the games in basic mode or in Neo mode and um, the basic mode has to be decent it it can't you know they can't half-ass it and they can't um they can't just abandon the basic mode uh, for in favor of the neo mode they have to make it run on both modes uh well uh, obviously the neo mode would be better uh on the vr side as well it is extremely Precise. I mean, they the the documentation says it can't dip below ninety frames per second, even on base mode. So you should have decent um, performance in VR as well on the current PlayStation Four. Now, all, with all that said, um, uh, you you recently bought a PlayStation Four, right? Are you pissed? Uh- uh, uh, I don't necessarily know if I'm pissed because VR is not something I'm really excited about just because me as a gamer, I mean, I watched a video, a YouTube video last night of the paranormal activity in VR. And that to me is like traumatizing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I like my gaming experience and my movie experience to be kind of at a distance because I get really invested in stories and characters and graphics. And to have all of that like surrounding me, I think it would just be too much for me. It'd be too intense. So getting the uh, PlayStation, I guess it was like 4.5 basically is yeah. what everyone was calling it for, yeah. for a long 4K, time before we had 5, a, yeah. yeah, before we had a technical name. Um, wasn't really on my to-do list anyway. And I think it's really good that they're not splitting their player base. But I, I mean, I feel like the kind of, I guess, cutting edge console players are going to be the ones that are un- going to upgrade. But I don't know how big of an audience that actually is. It hmm. seems like an an odd decision by Sony to actually require that the game works just as well on the old system because it's taking the incentive away from actually purchasing the new system. Huh, that's an interesting... Well, so... Yeah, the first of all, it's not just going to be about VR, right? You're you're also yes. going to be the the games. But I guess you're coming at this from a PC gamer perspective and you're like, yeah, whatever. It's not, you know, it's not my main <laughs> machine and my my PC is my baby and I have Yes, the, exactly. The, yeah, okay. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Um I think the the thing it's it's really a difficult situation they're putting themselves into uh, with this because if they push the Neo version too hard, then the existing players, and remember, they've um, they've gotten 
They've sold almost 40 million PlayStation 4s at this point, which is an enormous number for, uh, you know, in, at this That's point huge. in life's life, uh, span of a console. Yeah. I think only the Nintendo Wii has ever done better on the home consoles. And the Nintendo Wii was kind of an oddity, <laughs> weird thing anyway. It was um, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, if they if they piss off the the if they push the nail and say you can do whatever you want, then the existing players are going to be angry. If they don't, then there's less incentive to buy the nail. But I think it's going to be like that for a while. I think the nail is going to be you know around for a little bit for with no huge advantage. Although you know, if you're the kind of person that wants wants the better graphics. Uh, and you're not already on PC, you're going to want the, the Neo. But I think for the first couple of years, it's going to be everything's fine on both consoles anyway. Um, if they, and with, you know, in two or three years, the basic PlayStation 4 will be old enough that it's okay to sort of let it slide a little bit by the, the wayside. I think most mm. people So I've you think they're more to, like um, temporary restrictions as opposed to. This shall well, be what they do on Neo. No, I think I think it's going to be maybe it's a restriction until the PlayStation I don't know revolution arrives in three years or you know four years and then the PlayStation Basic is less of a focus. Maybe mm. I don't know. I mean, the PlayStation Four and the Xbox One, by the way, have basically PC architectures, so they could improve the the hardware forever from now on uh, yes. and they wouldn't necessarily need to change uh devices i think well hmm, i don't know i think the next one would still be a playstation 5 and be a cutoff point but um i don't know it's 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 really a tight rope to walk for for sony um because definitely people are saying that they're pissed at this point already by the <laughs> with the rumors Yeah, and I don't think that we've actually even seen a rumored price tag, which I think is also going to um, either satisfy or piss off a lot of consumers. You know, if they're if they're going to somehow magically be able to do this for the same price as a PS4 or within, you know, maybe $100, they might satisfy some people. They might convince some people to upgrade. But if they're pushing, you know, a five dollars $600 price point, especially and coming from a Canadian perspective, If these are American prices, to us, that's going to bump the price up by two and three hundred dollars because our dollar is doing so poorly right now. So it's just yeah. that you start to alienate a whole bunch of people the higher you push the price. And when there's already no extra um, features that are going to be tied to the Neo, because th that's one of the things that they've said, like you can't have different game modes or different functionality in Neo games. Like they have to be the same gaming experience, just, you know, better graphics you know, potentially VR, but to take like that price point and just keep pushing it up and up. Oh man, it's scary. Yeah. Bad. I think <laughs> so. So on the feature side, I think the only additional feature you can have is if you already have a split screen multiplayer kind of thing on the basic mode, you can have more players on the Neo mode. Like you can mm -hmm. have two players and in basic mode and four players in Neo mode, but you have to already have that local multiplayer thing um in basic mode in the basic even, version yeah, yeah already so um and the vr any game that does vr in in neo mode also has to do vr in basic mode so you can't have a game that runs oh, so basic can... no no oh. you can't so so they really they're really 
pushing for that par parity really hard. And um, I think that what happened was that the one feature that is not gaming related, but is still an additional feature with the Neo uh, is likely going to be uh, Blu-ray 4K. And it's going to push 4K video-wise, but I think it's going to read 4K from a Blu-ray as well. And I think that's where the console is coming from, actually. I'm wondering if they didn't think, well, you know, we have Blu-ray 4K coming and we're Sony, we're publishing, you know, movies <laughs> and and we need to have a, a Blu-ray player, a 4K Blu-ray player. Player, and we have the PlayStation, and it's always pushed the new formats. Like the yes. PlayStation 2 was the DVD player for many people. PlayStation 3 was uh, Blu-ray, right? I'm not... Am I, is it right? Yes. Oh, yeah. No, that's completely right, right. Because that was one of the things... I mean, I was really invested in the Xbox universe, which is why I didn't get a PlayStation 3. But that was one of the huge selling points of that console right. over the Xbox was that it actually read Blu-rays instead of just DVDs. So yeah, it yeah. had the kind of dual purpose that the Xbox didn't have. And I think here with the marketing push for 4K uh, this year, it's the perfect time to release. And actually, they have to have a console that reads 4K Blu-rays. And I think they figured, you know what, we can also do this at the same time. And it can be an incremental upgrade, which can which can work. And I think it's going to be 400 bucks. I don't I think it's going to be launch price of the PlayStation 4. And the PlayStation 4 Basic is going to be 300 So you do have a slight upgrade, but the PlayStation 4 Basic is going to work with everything anyway, and that's going to be a guarantee for the next few years. Um, and I'm thinking, that is just pure speculation on my part, I'm thinking in order to make people who have already bought a PlayStation Basic happy, what they could do is um, give everyone, everyone, a... Uh, rebate on a PlayStation VR headset. So mm. if you give everyone like 50 or 100 bucks uh, reduction, then not only I, does I think it, it's going to make a lot of people happy because many of them were going to buy it anyway. And some of them might think, well, you know, it's a good deal. So I'm going to do that. Plus, you push your PlayStation VR format. Uh, so it's basically a win-win for everyone. So I don't know. I think this might... It's it's a little bit of wishful thinking on my part, but fifty bucks <laughs> I could see happening for to thank people who have bought a PlayStation Four before the announcement of the PlayStation Neo. So I don't know that that would make me happy because I'm buying yes. it anyway. Again. <laughs> so when did you buy your PlayStation Four? Um, a few months after release. Uh, I oh, bought okay. It on, so you've yeah. had it for a while then. And yeah, yeah. You're not quite in the same boat as I am where I'm like, oh man, <laughs> like <laughs> it's only a year old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I've, I've milked it quite a bit. So I, I'm, I think I'm good. <laughs> um, and, um, oh crap. There was another thing that I wanted to mention and now I forgot. Uh, well, anyway, so yeah, PlayStation 4, PlayStation Neo, there you go. These, these are the details. Uh, oh, right. The other thing is if they do announce it at E3, which we're all think they, thinking they will, and it releases at, uh, at, at, in November, what are people going to do? I guess what they can do is announce the prices. So they can say the Neo is going to be 400 This one is 300 and it's 300 from now. So if you want to buy it, just do it now. If you want to wait, you can. But wait for the Neo, not for this one. You already have all the details. I think that's how they could make it so people don't just, you know, stop buying PlayStations until they know the prices and, and dates. So. Yes, exactly. I think you're you're spot on with that. Uh, and by the way, Microsoft is going to announce new hardware at E3 as well. And uh, that's 
probably going to be uh, the the upgraded Xbox One, which I guess we can call Xbox One Neo. Oh, which <laughs> Neo One, it's the same letters. Ooh, my Ooh. brain is melting. um all right let's move on to nintendo um first of all star fox zero was released on uh on on wii u and i think i've never seen more tepid reviews of a nintendo game it was yeah yeah i can't believe it it wasn't even so much like negative reviews or just even kind of middle of the road reviews i barely saw anything about this game at all it was just yeah. like it came out and no one cared <laughs> it's it's really surprising because star fox uh i mean you're you're young joss so maybe you don't remember <laughs> that um but it, it used to be it, it was a huge deal on previous consoles and it's something that a lot of people have been asking for for a long time and actually that's, I think, one of the best reviews uh, I've read was saying uh, we wanted we've been wanting Star Fox since 2002 and we got a Star Fox from 2002. So, you know, yeah. there you go. That's the that was my impression when I saw any of the gameplay videos is I was like, this almost looks <laughs> like something I might have played on my 64. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's and I mean, graphics aren't everything. Certainly uh, gameplay is really important. But here, it seems like gameplay isn't top-notch either. It's okay. I mean, some people like it, um, but no one's loving it, I think. So it was really a disappointment, especially since it is basically um, it's the last game, now we know for sure, until the end of the Wii U. It's, we're going to talk about this in just a second with the, mm-hmm. with the NX, but... Um, um and and the president from Platinum Games I don't know if it's related but they're the ones who developed Star Fox 0 and the president stepped down. He had been there for a long time so maybe he's just tired and he's getting replaced but Platinum Games has been developing some it's it's funny because they're one of the uh action game developers that are super highly regarded by critics but it doesn't seem like they're making huge successes they're the ones doing bayonetta by the way that's their Mm -hmm. most famous game yeah um but um yeah so anyway i don't know if it's related and um and then mitomo um nintendo has apparently celebrated 10 million downloads and i'm not quite sure what to make of it because of course everyone's going to download a nintendo game but are they playing it still That is my number one question, because I know personally I downloaded it and then couldn't even make it through like the create your me part because it was asking me for a Nintendo account. And I've got like six of them, probably (laughs) just because like they keep changing, like what you use to log into the store and then the shop and then from your Wii and then your Wii U. And it just seems like I have so many different Nintendo logins. I couldn't figure out what what my most recent one was. And then I did, and it told me I had the wrong password. And I was just like, oh, my God, this game is stupid anyway. I don't even (laughs) want to play this. Like, I'm jumping through all these Nintendo hoops for no reason. So I just deleted it (laughs) so technically i'm a download but (laughs) yeah that's what i was wondering i'm wondering if you if you're counted in the 10 million but uh probably Um, i'm sure i am i'm sure i am 
I have to say it was a little bit confusing for me because I thought I like I have two or three different elements of Nintendo accounts, but I thought I had set it to, you know, with the release of the actual Nintendo account that's going to be used going forward. And when I tried to log into the app, it did tell me, no, this is not the right password and do this and do that. And it was a right. huge hassle. Yeah, I, it was. And, and then the game is stupid anyway. So, I mean, some people are using it, but it's not for me for sure. Um, no, it's not for me either. And I feel like I have the same problem with Miitoma that I have with, um, oh, what was it? Animal Crossing is that, you know, everyone is so into it and it is just the greatest, biggest and most amazing thing for a week. And then everyone stops playing and there's no game left once no <laughs> one's playing it. <laughs> so, yeah. well, you're going to be able to enjoy uh, Animal Crossing on mobile as well pretty soon <laughs> because uh, Fire Emblem and Animal Crossing have been announced at, as the um, upcoming uh, mobile titles from Nintendo. So you're going to jump. You're going to be all over that, right? I'm going to have to be all over that day one. I waited <laughs> about a month to get Animal Crossing on the 3DS and that was a huge mistake. <laughs> Oh, really? Wait, what? Do you mean that you, you really love it? Well, no, I mean, like, there, I don't know if I love it or not, because the whole thing was everyone was visiting oh, everyone, everyone else's okay. towns and stuff, and there were no people left playing a month after Animal Crossing released, right, right, so right. I didn't really get to experience what Animal Crossing is like. So if it's going to be another, like, free-to-play, or even, I mean, it's a mobile, it's a mobile game, so it'll probably be fairly cheap. Um, it's, it's the kind of thing that I'm going to get day one and be like, okay, do I actually like Animal Crossing? So I, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Animal Crossing either. Um, but yeah, maybe I'll try it on mobile. I'm a little bit more excited about Fire Emblem though, because that's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, turn-based strategy game and it's always been a big thing on 3DS and I think I might, yeah, I'm definitely gonna, gonna try it. It's gonna be released, I think, um... Uh, Well, they have four games left until March 2017, so it shouldn't take too long. Maybe in the summer, we're going to have Fire Emblem and then uh, in, this, in the fall, Animal Crossing. But um, yeah, so those were announced during the investors call last week. And the other big thing, which was actually pretty big, is the details we got about the Nintendo NX. Um, first thing... It's going to be released in March 2017. So they're going to miss the um, holiday season. Um, and that was, a, I mean, I've often said, I think it's going to release in holiday season at the latest by <laughs> fiscal year, uh, you know, end of fiscal year 2016, which is March 2017. Uh, but still, I'm a bit surprised they're they're missing the, the launch, uh, the, the holiday period because... That's when you sell consoles. Yeah, but at the same time, this is Nintendo, and we know the one way that they sell a new console, put a Zelda game on it. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need a holiday to sell Zelda. <laughs> yeah, that, I, actually, that's true. Um, they're, they're saying that uh, The Legend of Zelda Wii U is now planned for uh, Wii U and NX. It's going to be released in 2017. That's like everyone on Twitter was like, oh, my God, I am so shocked. Uh, we all knew it was going to happen. I think yeah. there were a couple of people in the corner saying, oh, no, it's going to come out on Wii U only. And... <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> And they were shunned. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's, um, I mean, I think a lot of people don't realize the extent to which the, the Wii U sales have been abysmal. Um, mm. They're now at about, I think, 12 million units, which is half of what the GameCube has done in its entire life. 
And I, if you're if you know anything about video games, you remember the feeling that the GameCube was Nintendo's worst performing console ever, and it was a, a, a an actual you know, a, a horrible mistake, not a mistake, but a horrible failure. <laughs> Which um, is so funny because I loved my GameCube. I have more games for my GameCube than I think I have any other console. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, there there were good games for sure. It's just that it didn't sell well. And, and to be honest, I've been saying on this show that the Wii U has fantastic games. The, the Nintendo games on, on the Wii U are amazing. Um, I love almost all of them. It's just, you know, it didn't it didn't gel. And I th- so oh go ahead. I think there there's two problems with the Wii U that I'm hoping that the NX isn't going to face. And the the Wii U was Nintendo catching up to what was current gen by then, you know, like they they were trying to catch up to where the PS3 was and the Xbox 360 was. Their hardware just wasn't there. Like the Wii U isn't or shouldn't be counted up with Xbox 1 and PlayStation 4. It's just not that good. So they were playing catch up with the Wii U and then they took so long after playing catch up to actually release all of these fantastic titles. Like for the first year to year and a half of the Wii U's like console cycle, there was nothing to play of any kind of note. And then we had Zelda that was supposed to release in 2015 and they just kept (laughs) saying, Oh, not yet. Oh, 2016. Okay. Yep. And just pushing it and pushing it. So the Wii U didn't have that kind of, swell of interest behind it because there was nothing spectacular about it other than the gamepad which i'm i hate gimmicks so i was just like just give me the pro controller and we'll go from there like <laughs> it's so yeah oh, go i think that that was that was the big problem with the wii u and i'm hoping that what they've done with the nx whatever it is is less gimmicky more hardcore gamer guts and they're starting with the zelda title so this could be the turning point. If it's not, I hope they just start doing software only, and then I can play like Zelda on my Xbox, and I'll be happy. <laughs> oh my god, that would be that would not make me happy. I mean, maybe it would be the smart thing to do. I don't think so. Maybe it would be, but <laughs> it would just be so devastating if Nintendo went away from hardware. I think they're only, you know, the only way they they differentiate themselves is by making great hardware. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they can just uh, do do the software thing and be very successful. There are certainly companies that do that. But uh, yeah, I, I, it wouldn't make me happy at all. Um, but I think they do really well in the mobile space. Like I think they do really innovative things with portable gaming. But in terms of the console, they oh, just right. they fall in way, way behind. So yeah, maybe they could keep doing a portable console and then go... Yeah go yeah go go software on the home market yes maybe maybe that would make <laughs> me a little bit less sad but still you know i i grew up on on nintendo entertainment system so um but yeah there, there's certainly i mean what uh, uh kimishima said the president uh, said uh, in the days after the investors call was that the reason they weren't uh launching in in the holiday season and in they chose march instead was that they really wanted to have a very solid solid software lineup. So I think if they manage to get the the Zelda title and a Mario World type game, 
they have a, an instant success on their mm-hmm. on their hands, right? If they do a Super Mario, not, you know, a Mario Kart or Mario Smash Bros, whatever, like an actual Mario platformer, um, I think it's impossible that they don't sell millions instantly. Uh, most people have their Xbox One or their PlayStation now. Uh, there are a lot of uh, uh, people that are still interested in Nintendo. It's t- it might still be a second console, but I think they will... Uh, sell a, a few millions very quickly if they have a solid software lineup um and that's the way they're going and yeah i think two titles is is kind of key i think mm. you know as much as i say zelda sells consoles it does but i think if you can get something where you've got like the nx bundle with zelda and something else and that something else is is a compelling nintendo title like you mentioned mario brothers i think also even if they had yeah i think mario kart is enough to sell consoles yeah it is. i think mario mario kart 8 was kind of the first real big Wii U title that made people go out and buy the console. So I think, you know, there's there's quite a few things that they could pull from to get that second title. But I think the key is going to be in their marketing and their bundling and having more than just one great title on launch. Yeah, yeah. And and it looks like that's the way they're going. So, I mean, in March, I'm going to be buying an NX, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> they're also kind of, you know... I, the one thing we I wanted to add to your um, uh, comments about the Wii U is they really planned. I mean, it was the first HD Nintendo console, which is ridiculous because you know it was <laughs> it released three years ago. But um, it was also it was planned. It was conceived at a time when uh, tablets were super hot, and yeah. I, I don't know if you remember, but. Three or four years ago, all of the titles presented at all of the big titles presented at E3 had some sort of uh, tablet component. It was like the division had this like you could join other people's games through tablets. And it was that second screen. The tablets were so hot, so buzzy that everyone felt like they had to do something with them. A lot of software makers ended up abandoning it along the way because it, people realized that when you're playing a game, you want to be playing a game. Right. Um, <laughs> but Nintendo had based their entire console around it. And mm-hmm. uh, what's worse, they had called it the Wii U, which people thought was, you know, an extension for the Wii or like a, they didn't realize it was a new thing. So, yeah, huge issue. However, I do think that they might... Uh, still have software compatibility with the Wii U on the NX, whatever it ends up being. Um, I think they're they're not going to abandon the uh, Wii U stable of games completely. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people who are going to get the NX are going to be able to discover um, the the amazing games from the Wii U, like you know Mario and Mario Kart and all of those uh, on that Splatoon. new console. So. Splatoon, yeah, it's really fun, actually, but um, yeah, so yeah, and uh, it won't be at, it won't be presented at E3, there will only be one game at E3 from Nintendo, playable, there might be other things uh, that they show, but the only playable one is going to be Zelda on Wii U, not on NX, so the NX is probably going to be introduced later in the year and at a Nintendo special event some, at some point. Um, so we still don't know what the hell that thing is. So <laughs> there you go. 
Um, all right, let's move on to other news. Uh, before we do that, um, thanks to M25 Racer who left a comment on iTunes saying he likes the show and or she and um, gave us five stars. So thank you so much. Uh, if you want to help us get a little bit more visibility, you can go to iTunes or your podcast catalog of choice and uh, give us a review and a few stars. We would be very thankful. Uh, other news, there's a bunch of, I, I some, sometimes do those corners where I bundle up together a bunch of news on the same topic. Today, it's going to be an FPS corner because we have a lot of FPS news. So I hope you like FPSs because uh, we have like five or six different items to, to go through. Um, I guess first one, I put it last, but I think... Maybe it should... Oh, I put it second. All right, let's put it first. <laughs> Call of Duty. It's the king of FPSs, right? Call of Duty Infinite. Uh, Infinite Warfare has been announced. It will be released, Chalker, in November. And um, there's they're going to go to space? They kind of had to. <laughs> Realistically, there yeah. are so many Call of Duties. There's literally one every year. They've done, like, old warfare current warfare and future warfare <laughs> like they, they didn't have anywhere else to go but up <laughs> yeah i guess so um i i was very ready to hate this it was like it looked dumb like oh right you're gonna be soldiers in space what is this halo or like i don't know it's <laughs> i thought but... mass effect when i looked at it yeah yeah but, it, yeah it, same yeah. thing yeah there's a little bit of mass effect a little bit of of gears of war with the invasion of earth with mm -hmm. with some it's not aliens actually but it's it's still uh you know space factions of the what settlement defense front or something something like that yeah, yeah. um It's and actually it looks you know what I liked in the marketing promotion material was they were referencing Modern Warfare a lot and actually Modern Warfare is getting remastered and um, it's going to be sold only with a special version of Infinite Warfare. Um, so if you pay an extra twenty bucks, I think you get a remake of that beloved Call of Duty title. It was back in 2009, I think, and it was, you know, when it came out, if you if you never um, heard about it or played it, it was, it redefined what cinematic shooter, cinematic shooters would be. It, it was so dynamic and cinematic, really. There were a few set pieces in this game that would take your breath completely out of your body and you couldn't breathe for a few seconds. It was an incredible title. And it mm -hmm. it's, we make a lot of fun of Call of Duty now, um, but that was the height of uh, uh, Infinity Ward, which is the original developer for Modern Warfare, the height of Infinity Ward's uh, creations. It was amazing. And the remaster has even gotten me interested a little bit. So... Yeah. Well, I I love first person shooters. I'm terrible at them, but I I really enjoy them at the same time as long as I'm not playing multiplayer because then I just get completely wrecked. But um Call of Duty is one of those franchises that I've kind of followed since the beginning and and I quite enjoy. I actually own all of them except for maybe two. Hmm. And I just I, I really like their story. I think there was only I think it was um, Black Ops 2 maybe pushed the story a little bit too far for me and I didn't enjoy it. But 
Um, in general, I really like the Call of Duty franchise. So this trailer to me just fell so flat. And I think it might be because now, like I said, like they didn't have anywhere else to go. They pretty much did everything that I would have thought that they would do with the franchise. So I think my Call of Duty experience might kind of be done because I looked at this and went, really? (laughs) (laughs) Space shooting? Like, you know, all of a sudden my beloved, you know, boots on the ground, gun in hand shooter went into a pilot space experience, which I have really never, ever liked. So I don't know how I feel about this. (laughs) But yeah, so the thing is, they've done the boots on the ground, gun in hand, you know, shooter so much, as you've said, uh, it's I don't know that they can do it again and generate any kind of excitement. Certainly they. they, Yeah, yeah, you're right. They they could only (laughs) go that that way. Um, I've been done with Call of Duty for three or four years already. So I'm not, you know, I think after Modern Warfare 2 and that whole you know, drama with uh, with uh, Vince Zampella and the, the founders of Infinity Ward um, that left the company. I think that that was the death knell of that franchise, for me at least. Um, and I've never gone in, gotten into the Treyarch uh, developed uh, Call of Duties. So that whole franchise, the, the Black Ops thing was not for me. I didn't get into it. So here it, it's kind of i'm waiting for the one call of duty advanced warfare i bought it it didn't do it for me either it was way too caricaturally you know american movies yeah. <laughs> like it was like we're, we're making war and there's a bad guy and like it's it's almost like gears of war is funny because it's 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 so exaggerated and it doesn't take itself seriously Call of Duty has taken it has usually taken itself way too seriously to be uh to be fun when it's when it's not brilliant and it hasn't been brilliant in a while. Um so anyway, I've I've drifted away from that series for a while and I'm wondering if this one where, where they seem to be trying to set those set piece moments uh so in in the way that they were in Modern Warfare One and Two, and I know it it might be dangerous to to be copy copycatting uh, mm-hmm. those things because you might end up with the same version, but that doesn't work. Um, but I'm wondering if if that breadth of of space might not be conducive to easy set piece moments that work and maybe even some vr i uh, there were a couple of moments where i I was thinking "Ooh, there could be some vr moments in this thing when you're in the in the in the spaceship or when you're drifting yeah yeah, in the cockpit or or when you're drifting in in the destroyed space station like it's very reminiscent of uh the game of drift but um yeah, I, I'm not going to pre-order it. Let's put it like that. But maybe <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll look into it. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's a little bit interesting because even though like Call of Duty just iterates on itself so much and we get a new one every November, but every November it makes so much money because the people that play it are extraordinarily serious about the multiplayer. So I'm really interested to see what this actually might mean for the franchise because it almost seems like they're taking the Call of Duty name and then putting it on an entirely new game. And I don't know how that might actually translate to the first-person shooter multiplayer community. Like, mm. this this has the potential to bring people back who haven't bought Call of Duty in a while, but it also has the possibility of totally alienating Call of Duty fans. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah, we'll see. The thing is, as you said, 
they have nowhere to go but somewhere different. And of yeah. course, they're <laughs> trying it. So um, we're going to be getting a new Battlefield announcement uh, next week as well. Battlefield has always been the... Well, not always. Actually, it started out as the... Um, oh, no, it was Medal of Honor that the guys who founded Infinity Ward actually did before. Those... I mean... We don't say enough about the founders of Infinity Ward. They brought the the World War II shooter into public public consciousness. That, that that was Medal of Honor, and then they reinvented that genre with the modern shooter with modern warfare. It was so. I'm really looking forward to what they're doing next, which is going to be uh, Titanfall Two because Titanfall One was great but short lived. Anyway. <laughs> Battlefield game is going to be announced uh, this week, uh, if all goes well. It's always been a little bit less successful than um, than Call of Duty since it came to the to to compete in the same arena. Um, and uh, an article about Gears of War Four uh, caught my eye. It was basically um, Tim Sweeney explaining why they left the Gears of War franchise to Microsoft. Um, what he was saying, let me get the numbers here, was that the first Gears of War cost 12 millions to develop, which, you know, it's a hefty sum of money, but it's not the numbers that we're seeing today. Uh, and it made about 100 millions in revenue. So it was a profitable enterprise. Uh, a few years later, um, Gears of War 3 cost cost about four or five times the amount that the first Gears of War um cost and there were issues with microsoft not wanting to let them do stuff fix some of the stuff they had issues with for free so that that was a whole other thing but what they were saying was that the next gears of war would cost a hundred million to make because it's that's just the the, the cost of uh, of uh of the new tech. games now yeah. yeah and and in order to make money in that kind of enterprise, you have to make it into an, an incredibly giant success, right? And and Epic, which is a big company, but they're still uh, uh, not a, a huge player like uh, Activision or EA or Microsoft or Sony, um, decided, you know what, this is not for us. So we're just going to go the free-to-play route. Um, they... Uh, uh, released the Unreal Engine in a free-to-free-to-to use version and they decided to go free to play with uh, Paragon which I've talked about on this show before so I think it was really interesting uh, I thought it was interesting to have that insight into the the thought process and the financial process that led Epic which was a major developer back 20 years ago um, to go the free to play route because basically if you want to play in the big uh, big boys arena you either have to do triple A that destroys everything in its path like Call of Duty does or possibly go free to play and iterate on a game and uh, make it available for you know relatively well for free um yeah. go that route. So, <laughs> I guess free is relatively low cost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can you could say that. But yeah, I thought it was interesting. It was a conscious choice to be able to make the kind of games they wanted uh to to not to stop doing triple AAA titles because it's just unsustainable for them. Yeah, which is, it's really too bad to see an IP get passed on from the original company, especially in favor of a free-to-play model. I am not a huge fan of the free-to-play model, so 
sad news, I think, yeah. for me. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. It's yeah, I think they were tired of Gears of War as well. I don't think they would have you know, they wanted to stay to keep developing the same game over and over again forever, but um it's still yeah, the the, the free to play thing is not just you know, for some developers, for some respected developers, it's it's a legitimate way of of keeping yourself in, in business. I think is the is the lesson here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, talking about free to play, that game is not going to be a free to play. It's Lawbreakers. Um, it's the talking about Epic too. Um, Cliff Blazinski, um, lovingly called Cliffy B during a time that we'd all rather forget. Um, he was the, the basically the mind behind Gears of War. And uh, he went away on a sabbatical for a couple of years. He retired. And then the gaming cre- creation itch um, sort of got him. And he went back to gaming with his company, Bosky Productions. And um, Lawbreaker is their first title. We had heard about it for a while. And uh, now we've seen a little bit of a, you know, there's a, a trailer and um, more details about how the game is going to work. Uh, the trailer is full of edgy swearing. Um, I'm wondering, uh, tell me what you thought about the, I mean, it's still a trailer. We don't know what the game is, is going to be playing like exactly. It's, it does show gameplay elements, gameplay, uh, uh, video, but, uh, what did you think? I think it's pretty cool. I mean, it's got the whole playing with gravity kind of thing, which is kind of a trend that I'm excited about in gaming is, is the idea of playing with time and space. I just finished playing quantum break, which I loved, So the idea of kind of warping the world around you while playing against other players, I think is really, really neat. And like I said, I'm not a fan of free to play. So when I was when I saw that this was going to have a price point, I'm like, yes, okay, (laughs) I'm interested. Like as soon as you get free to play first person shooters, I just die a little inside. Yeah, Um, I have to say I was all I was ready to to think that this was not for me, but Especially with the beginning, like the raw, this is motherfucking <laughs> awesome or whatever he swears uh, about. And, um, and you know, I'm not good with swear words. I'm, I'm very chill. Um, but, um, he, he, the, the, the way they presented that, that whole, uh, Playing with gravity, as you're saying, there's a justification in the game, which is a silly. It's like the moon was shattered, so the earth has whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it seems fun. It seems like it could have some uh, interesting, uh, you know, interesting features in the game itself. And the characters look kind of uh, cool as well. There's this weird one with like a, I don't know, whip kind of thing that she or he uses <laughs> to zip around the thing or to get to to zip closer like to rush to a person to charge to a person or i don't know it seems like it it could be more interesting than than i initially thought it would be so um the alpha is um not available but you can register for it and uh it's on lowbreakers.com so just go check it out if you think you you might be interested i definitely registered for the alpha no date though it's not <laughs> we don't know when it's going to be available um, and finally, uh, another blast from the past, um, Romero and Carmack, John Romero and Ad- Adrian Carmack, uh, no relation to uh, the other Car- Carmack who founded id Software, um, 
they they came back. So basically, Romero and Caramac uh, were part of the trio who founded id Software. Uh, id Software, of course, everyone knows who they are, right? Doom, Quake, those amazing first-person shooters. They invented the genre almost. <laughs> and um, they launched a Kickstarter um, for an FPS game, a, a fast FPS, FPS game, single-player uh, called Black Room. And they had this funny video presentation and a week later they canceled the kickstarter because they had nothing to show for the game i've I've seen a lot of comments saying yeah you're you know your names are well known but gameplay elements you should you're not coming out of nowhere you should be able to finance or to do something no demo (laughs) no gameplay elements no nothing it was just we're gonna do something and it's gonna be available in two years maybe and please give us your money so yeah yeah i i wouldn't have given them my money i think a lot of people thought the same thing but um yeah and that being said i mean it's not like they earned an insignificant amount of money. I mean, they were at $130,000 after a week. Like that's still, that's still a significant portion of funding. Um, But yeah, I, I feel like now that Kickstarter has been around and there've been some pretty big campaigns, it's been around for a few years and I think people are starting to be a little bit more wary with the things that they backed like Kickstarter three years ago if this project had been put up, people would have been like, oh, hell yeah, take all my dollars. Like, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And now as we've seen more and more of these projects either get delayed sometimes indefinitely or just fail outright, I think people are being a little bit more, um, (laughs) can you please show me that I can at least play something? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. And, And like, if John Carmack... Uh, had he's working for Oculus now, but if John Carmack had made a Kickstarter, I think he would have gotten money very quickly. It's just that these two are a little bit less well known than than John Carmack is, and um, it's they were asking for seven hundred thousand, and when which also get, seems like a lot. Well, so for a game, I don't think it's a lot. I think it's a lot less than they would have needed to to finance a full featured 3d game um they even said in the video that they were going to use that kickstarter to show other investors that there was Mm. interest in the game um (laughs) that's just how which is also another very scary thing to hear as a potential kickstarter backer so it's like wait a minute i'm gonna give you all of my money you're gonna have seven (laughs) hundred thousand dollars and your idea then is to show other bigger investors. So it's like I'm not even backing a game. I'm backing a pitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, we were saying just, you know, a few minutes ago that uh, Gears of War 1 cost $12 million, And that mm-hmm. was, what, 10 years ago, even more? Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's not surprising to me at all that they would need to get more money than the 700000 if they want to make a fully, you know, first player uh, solo experience for a 3D uh, shooter. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all. But, uh, but yeah, the thing is, you're right. People are, are not jaded, but I think they're just a little bit more demanding with their Kickstarter projects. Right, yeah, right more, more cautious with their, yeah. with their dollars, I think. Yeah. So, and yeah, a hundred and something thousand after a week, they would never have gotten uh, 700,000. So mm-hmm. what they said was, all right, we get it. 
we're gonna you know create a tech demo or you know a concept of something and we'll come back on kickstarter we'll 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 come back we'll give you a little bit more and um that's probably the thing they they should be doing however i'm you know that demo better kick serious ass because uh, <laughs> if it doesn't i don't know that they're going to be a, doing a lot better so yeah uh, talking about Kickstarter projects, uh, the, the FPS corner is over, but Mighty Number no. 9 is launching on June 21st. <laughs> Yay! Very exciting. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> this is this is the Mega Man-ish yep. one, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. You're not excited. <laughs> well, not not really. I'm I'm one of those gamers who didn't actually really play Mega Man. Yeah. Me neither, but I like that those <laughs> okay. types of games. Normally, but. when I say that out loud, people are just like, oh, you what? <laughs> well, okay, I did play Mega Man because everyone would play Mega Man back then. I just, I wasn't in huge, you know, I wasn't in love with it. Mm. So, yeah, but I'm still going to be checking out Mighty Number no. 9. I might buy it. It's just, you know, Inafune is a guy that I think has huge uh, uh, cred, nerd geek cred, and I want to check out what he does, but... <laughs> It's just it took so long to to put together, um, mm-hmm. and the quality doesn't seem to be quite where we would like it to be. But uh, yeah, so anyway, June twenty first, it will be available. Um, another thing that is rubbing people the wrong way for understandable <laughs> reasons, um, you know how the Oculus deliveries for people who pre-ordered ha- is is getting delayed to God knows when, you know, mm-hmm. May at the minimum. Well. Best Buy is going to get some Oculus Rifts <laughs> before the pre-orders are delivered. So, good are news, they, though. Are they strictly demo units or are they, like, for sale units? So, basically, Oculus in their communication is saying there will be very limited numbers available <laughs> for sale at Best Buy. Um, oh, no. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> and, and they're even saying, um, if you did pre-order it, you can go at Best Buy, buy one, which very likely means queuing for a significant amount of time, mm-hmm. and uh, we will still give you your pre-order bonus and cancel your pre-order. So, you know, I think the reason for this is that they had a contract with Best Buy to deliver some units, and they couldn't get be. out of it. It must be, because, I mean, they. I, I can't imagine any company smacking consumers in the face like this yeah. <laughs> like on purpose <laughs> yeah i think it, it this is such a, a a huge you know well you're right slap in the face it's it's terrible it's like i ordered like the second you i didn't but some people but did some people did yeah <laughs> so um but yeah i think the the biggest the big thing here um is it's going to be available for people to try on at Best Buy, which is going to get people to try virtual reality for real, uh, at least. It's it's 40, 48 uh, stores in uh, the US. So it's not like it's going to be everywhere in the world or even everywhere in the US, but it's still something. Um, mm-hmm. It starts in a few days on May 7th. So if you want to try, you know, if, if anything, most listeners um, might not even have ordered anything, but you might want to try it out and that's a, a chance for you to do so. So best buy uh, on May 7th. Uh, Street Fighter V. Uh, Guile is available if you're into that and uh, he's available for free because their store is still not up. 
it's anyway not <laughs> Street Fighter V launch is pretty terrible. However, um, it, they did the the big esports tournament for uh, fighting games is Evo, and for Evo 2016, they had 4,000 competitors register on Street Fighter V. Um, the biggest one before that was Street Fighter IV with 2,000 uh, people registering, 2,200. So, yeah, the launch might have been botched, but I think out of you know. They had a choice of uh, making it available and with just the competitive aspect working and uh, the the basically single player experience crappy, or delaying it. And I think for for this year they they chose the best out of uh, two bad solutions because it is working for the competitive crowd at least. Four thousand competitors registering for this is is pretty impressive. So. Mm-hmm. I really think that you there for any sort of a multiplayer game, the way to get people behind it now is to go the esports route. Like esports is just becoming this huge, huge, huge powerhouse. And if your game has any sort of competitiveness to it, that's the part that you push. Because if you can get the esports people behind you, then you're gonna get a very big crowd. So I think they probably made the right call. Um, especially, I mean, looking at twice the number of competitors, obviously it was the right call, but, uh, yeah, I think going with the multiplayer esports and following up with a single player is better than the other way around or a full on delay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be a tough, you know, hill to climb for them when the multiplayer is fine. The single player is finally in a playable state and they have the store and everything. They're going to have to basically branded as a relaunch of street fighter 5 i think but uh, <laughs> but yeah it's, i agree it was probably the the right call and by the way 4000 competitors logistically how do they even handle this because i'm pretty sure you don't have it's everyone goes there everyone is at evo you know it's not a compet- yeah. it's it's the the fighting game uh, um, the fighting game scene is very different very special and i'm pretty sure that i mean maybe for this they're going to have to do uh you know, pre-selection things, but I'm I'm fairly sure that you just go there and everything happens there over the course of a couple of, uh, you know, two or three days. Um, mm-hmm. Very special kind of place. Well, I've got to say, after seeing um, RLCS this weekend, which was the Rocket League Championship, the partnership with Twitch, which had, I believe, in North America, 6,000 teams, which was something like almost 12,000 unique players. Um, it was just a shit show. Like, <laughs> really? <laughs> it was, it was the most mismanaged thing well? I've, no, it did not go well at all. <laughs> and so I can actually imagine having 4,000 people in the same place doing a competition over three days might actually be easier to do than trying to run something like that online. <laughs> what, what happened? Tell us a little bit more about the RLCS. Uh, well, it was actually it was delayed by, I believe, four hours, which it was already because it was an open qualifier for a seventy five thousand dollar prize pool. Um, it had so many competitors and they were supposed to start at, I believe, noon Eastern. And they didn't end up starting until after 4 p.m. Eastern. And they had 12 hours of matches scheduled. So there were some people still playing at 3 and 4 in the morning. Jeez. 
It was ridiculous. And there were entire brackets that had half of the bracket disqualified because they were trying to make up for time. So now they're going to have to go back and have a disqualification bracket. And that's somehow going to get integrated back into the main bracket. And it was basically, I think they, they said something like the, the Smash GG, which normally does um, Smash Brothers tournaments, which have just as many competitors, but they, they only have a team of, I think they said nine. <laughs> and so these poor nine people were trying to Jesus. deal with this site outage and everything else. And it was just, it was a complete and total, total mess. And considering the amount of money that was there, and it was the first like big Rocket League tournament, um, yeah, it was just it was, it was really bad. So, and and part of it, I think, was communication from you know the actual site from Rocket League, from you know communication between teams, like trying to figure out if people were actually present or not present. So much easier to deal with if everyone's in front of you. Like, are you here? Yeah. Yes, there you are. I can see you in person. <laughs> Go play your game. Like, yeah. it takes that that online communication part right out of it. So 4,000 competitors in person is probably easier than <laughs> 6,000 teams online. <laughs> probably, yeah. I mean, it's still going to be, if that's the way they do it, it's still going to be terrible. But, uh, you know, <laughs> a lot of people say, oh, esports have been there forever and esports is this. And, you know, what the people are just now realizing how big esports are. I think I don't think esports, esports is huge for Core gamers for the esports is huge for the crowd. It's huge for. I don't think <laughs> esports is huge yet for um, the actual general public. And in order to oh, no. take it huge for the general public, you are going to need some. And that sounds terrible, uh, <laughs> but you are going to need the adults to get involved. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think by the adults, I'm not even saying I'm. It's I'm not trying to disparage the efforts of the people who have been, uh, uh, you know, pushing esports for all these years. I think they're doing a, a commendable job, actually a great job. It's just that it's it's not easy to get to that scale, and the traditional sports industry, or you know. Big companies have taken decades to get to a, 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 a space a situation where they can handle those huge scale things. And mm -hmm. it's not easy. You don't just get there in three years of, of Twitch success. So yep. that's why I think that the involvement of companies like Activision and EA and, you know, Microsoft and others is... It's important because I think they're going to be able to take that uh, uh, amazing success of esports to the next level, potentially over the next year or, or so, um, and and you know the next couple of years. So, yeah, I mean that those and those issues happen more often than I think we'd like to uh, to admit. There's been huge <laughs> issues with uh, Dota two tournaments in the past few months. I think. Uh, uh, League of Legends. It's it's either of those. There was I think it was Dota two. Uh, the the tournament is in Asia was a, a similarly a, a shit show. Um, so anyway, it's it's still there's still some work required. Definitely. Um, King of Fighters fourteen is coming in August. Finally, we have a release date, and I'm dancing alone <laughs> in my room because no one cares. Um, <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that, but I was kind of like. 
Who yeah. and the what now is coming? Yeah, There's been 14 of these. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It's you know for fighting game fans, uh, King of Fighters and SNK. Which, by the way, that news made me so happy as well. SNK Playmore is back to being just called SNK, period. Uh, Their logo has changed. And, you know, there was that gaming console called the Neo Geo. And that was back in a time when um, arcade was so much better uh, than home consoles from a technical standpoint. They, They were so much more powerful, the arcade machines. And the Neo Geo was an incredibly expensive console with equally expensive games. Um, For those who don't know, like the games actually cost the price, almost like almost the price of the console itself, because it was an arcade cartridge, an arcade motherboard inside the cartridge. So it was super expensive. And it was the Rolls-Royce, the the Lamborghini of (laughs) consoles. And they were, you know competing with Capcom for the fighting game genre at a time at when that was the main thing there was in the entire world. Um, and they have fallen to the wayside significantly. And uh, the King of Fighters was probably the main, uh, their main franchise. And it was very successful, not as successful as Street Fighter, the Street Fighter franchise, but probably the most successful one after that. And um, the Street Fighter 14 looks pretty bad. It looks kind of like a, an average PlayStation 3 game, kind <laughs> of. Um, and it's still, you know, it, it it's, it, but it's Street, it's, it's, oh, did I say Street Fighter? The King of You Fighters, said Street obviously. Fighter, but yeah. I was just going to let you keep yeah, going. Yeah, no, obviously <laughs> King of Fighters, but, and it's just a lot of nostalgia and it's a kind of gameplay that, um, I don't think we've seen a lot. It's it's a different flavor of fighting game than Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat, which whatever, it's another thing. And I know in the US, Mortal Kombat was so mine. <laughs> that's yeah. the one that I that's the one that I played. I know. Finish him. <laughs> so, so good. <laughs> I loved Mortal Kombat too, but it's it's not this in the same category uh, for yeah. me. And and I know in the US you guys love Mortal Kombat more than Street Fighter, and you've probably, as you've illustrated, never heard of The King of Fighters. But <laughs> for real fighting game lovers like I am and, and Japan aficionados, Street Fighter and The King of Fighters is where it's at. So it makes me so happy that 14 is coming out, even though it, it looks bad. I don't care. I'm just going to buy it anyway day one. So there you go. Because, you know, it's got a bunch of characters and it's got that gameplay, apparently. It, it seems like they're going for the right thing, which is the gameplay. So anyway, August, it's going to be available in Japan and the US and I'm guessing Europe uh, at the same time. They seem to be going with a worldwide release uh, within a few days uh, difference. So anyway, if you are a lover of the King of Fighters, please come give me a little bit of love on Twitter. Tell me at NotPatrick that you like the King of Fighters too because I'm fe- feeling incredibly lonely in this uh, <laughs> this Pixels show because no one even knows what that game is. I'm so sorry. Well, <laughs> it's okay. You can tell us about uh, Hearthstone, which you know very well. Um, oh, the old inside God's and expansion. out. <laughs> The Old Gods expansion uh, has been released. Uh, They announced they have 50 million players, which it's not 
active players per month, it's created accounts. And I'm usually not a big fan of those numbers because you could have half of them be inactive and you wouldn't know, right? So I'm not, mm-hmm. I understand the reason they're choosing to release that metric rather than active players because they fell into the trap of active players with um, World of Warcraft. And that was something they could never get out of until they decided not to communicate on that uh, again. Um, because you always expect them, you hope, you know, if they're not doing as well as they were in the previous one, then they failed. So I understand why they're saying million uh, accounts and, and not active players. Uh, again, I'm usually not a big fan of that um, metric, but a few months ago, it was 40 million and a year ago, it was 30 million. So it's still a very significant increase. I think that's that's a very impressive increase. Uh, and so, the old gods is a new expansion. Um, what did you What did you think of it? So far, and it's it's only been out. It'll be a week tomorrow, and it is just. It's like Hearthstone is an entirely new game now. We got such a great infusion of cards, and not only the infusion of new cards, but the removal of old cards, which had really restricted the design space of Hearthstone. So. When Old Gods went live with standard format, it was just like, I think I played the game for probably like 48 hours straight. Really? <laughs> and I, okay. I haven't played that much Hearthstone in probably a year. Um, it was just everything about it was so cool. I love the theme of this expansion. The I'm I'm a huge World of Warcraft nerd. So looking at the lore of the old gods and then seeing how it's been reimagined in the context of a Hearthstone universe, which is kind of like a game existing inside of a game. It was just, it was so interesting to see. And I love the, the Hearthstone humor spin on the very serious kind of universe ending old God theme. Yeah. I I love how uh, Cthulhu actually, you know, whispers insults in your ear as you're playing (laughs) Oh my god, yes, as he's secretly growing inside their hand or their deck, and it's just like, all your minions will turn on you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) Yeah, doesn't he say at some point, your minions think your deck is not very good or something like that? Yes, something like that, yeah. (laughs) And it's just like, and the other great thing that they did with this expansion is they actually gave all of the players Cthulhu, and as soon as you buy an old gods pack you're going to get Cthulhu. So it's not even that it's a launch thing. So everyone is going to get the experience of playing with at least one of the old gods, which I think is fantastic for the community. I mean, right now, obviously, the ladder is flooded with Cthulhu decks, and that's not too much fun. But <laughs> over time, I think we'll start to see some more variety. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm um, you know, I didn't play Hearthstone um, for a couple of months, I think. I didn't play much. And... I came back with this this expansion and I've had so much fun playing with it. And as you're you're saying with the old gods uh with you getting Cthulhu um and those deck recipes that they added a, a yes. few weeks months ago um it's it's really and I'm sorry if I sound like a, a Blizzard salesperson um <laughs> maybe it's because I've been one for a few years but Genuinely, I think that it's an excellent time for people to come back to uh, to Hearthstone if you've ever loved it in the past, or actually even to start it out. But you you just buy a pack of the old gods, or well, maybe more than one, because you actually need more cards in order to make your Cthulhu deck uh, viable. Um, but giving that 
legendary card to everyone with a couple of cards uh, going along with it to to help it make um, to help make it viable uh, is so clever from a game design standpoint. It is the big issue that people have been having with Hearthstone in the past few months, maybe year, is it's very difficult for people to get into it and to understand how to even construct a deck because it's it's got so many cards and so many things to worry about. It's very confusing for people, not just new players, but people who are coming back. They don't know where to start. And with that little, you know, gameplay or design device of giving you the one card you want it just makes the direction it gives clarity to um the the way you want to play the game in a way that is uh, uh you know problem solving not for everyone but i think for most people it's going to be very easy and aside from that it's just so those cards are i understand that there's always the question of how much uh, randomness should be in in Hearthstone and how much the randomness can hurt the competitive aspect of it but on the other side you know the other side of the coin is that it makes it so fun and Cthune is just every time it comes out Cthune and Yogg-Saron for the people who are playing it which Yogg-Saron is a card that just makes the game completely crazy it casts spells randomly all over and a lot of them and <laughs> it's just every time it comes out it's only been a week so maybe it gets tiring after a while but any anytime those cards come out it's just it's just i get giddy to with excitement because something fun is going to happen right mm-hmm well, and the thing is you can you can buff your Cthulhu and he is random, but anytime I've ever seen Cthulhu actually get played, he's been buffed so much that he's basically clearing the board and doing a ton of damage to your opponent. So he's not right. the kind of risky random that Yog saron is. And even Yog saron if you look at it statistically, you can figure out how many spells you have to cast to get him to basically be guaranteed, quote-unquote, because it's still obviously random and stats and math and stuff, but um, guaranteed to kind of bring you back into the game and clear your opponent's board. So, you know, there there is another level of strategy in Hearthstone because of all the randomness that's programmed into the game, and I think that that is, you know, the ability to use that to your advantage and then react to it if it happens to you is what separates the good Hearthstone players from the great Hearthstone players. So I love randomness in the game. I think it sets it above. It makes it more unpredictable in a way that makes it fun to watch. Right. Yeah, no, I I agree. I definitely agree. Um it's but yeah, anyway, so let's not spend the whole <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, I could go on and on about yeah. Hearthstone. We should probably move on. Yeah. Um <laughs> but yeah, so Hearthstone I've played a lot when in the beginning i've played some in the uh since and it's the most fun i've had uh since the beginning i think in hearthstone mm-hmm. um talking about warcraft stuff uh, you remember that the nostalrius uh, private server was shut down by legal action by Blizzard. Um, that's been a very hotly debated topic uh in the in the community and if you want to get basically what my thoughts are on all of this I think you should listen to the latest um, episode of The Instance with uh, Scott, uh, Dills, and Garrett. 
And basically, I wasn't on it, but they said everything I would have said anyway. So <laughs> it was a, a, an excellent discussion there. Um, but the uh, the admins of that server, that private server, has be have been invited um, to Blizzard to discuss things with the uh, World of Warcraft development team. So uh, we don't know what's going to come out of it, but um, it's very interesting that um, Blizzard is paying attention and willing to talk things over, and uh, they communicate. Blizzard has a, a blog post out explaining um, their thought process and that whole thing. So go read it if you were interested in that. Or as I said, even better, go listen to the instance. But um, it's interesting to see that the they're not being you know uh, blind or or mm-hmm. um, or deaf to those complaints. Um, you're a YouTube creator. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, have you ever been slapped with a with a uh, content ID? something on one of your videos yes <laughs> okay so you're going to be interested by interested by that change um for people who don't know the way youtube works is that um in the past few years i think mainly to favor the old media that had a lot of the power and the existing you know big established players in the video space um they created a content id system where each video would be analyzed and would be they would be able to um, see if another video was using portions of the original video. And if that happened, they would contact the owner of the original video and let them know that that video was being used in another one and give them control over that newly created video. Uh, that was initially created to make sure that um, you couldn't just re-upload an, an, you know, a video and profit from it with the uh, money from the ads um, mm-hmm. just by stealing it, basically. But what it turned into was that it also allowed um, the original video uh, creator's owners uh, to basically appropriate the um ad revenue or even block the video entirely even when it was being uh fairly used used with mm-hmm. the concept of fair use in in the US it's a US specific concept um and that was a problem because when that happened all of the video's uh revenue was being directed to someone else even though even if you had put a lot of work into that uh into that that work into that video um now the way it's going to work is that until that dispute is resolved, until uh, it's been determined whether or not that was fair use or not, um, the money is going to be basically put in escrow at YouTube, um, and it's going to be attributed to the victor of the conflict um, once it's resolved. So that is a huge change for the, uh, especially in the gaming industry, but in general uh, on YouTube, right? Yeah, this this is a really, really big change. And I think it's a positive change because, I mean, the the content claim that we were a part of um, basically was our game of the year episode. And we had used a original piece of music. We had contacted the um, actual artist and asked and had written permission to use the song in our episode. And then I, I got it was two years later, I think we we had this copyright claim and we were just like, what are we even <laughs> supposed to? It took it took me literally like three months to get this all sorted out. And in the end, it was basically a company whose entire revenue stream was finding like videos on YouTube and putting claims in 
And then getting the income and whether it takes two weeks, three weeks, months for the claim to get sorted out, they're getting all that revenue. And that was their entire company was basically like they weren't representing the artists. They weren't representing, you know, other content creators. They were just a middleman essentially stealing from content creators and from YouTube. So I think YouTube putting this system in place is going to just make a huge difference to all of these like unfair copyright claims, which really is what the big problem is. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's many different types of unfair copyright claims the one you're talking about which is basically illegal i mean it's yeah. it's trolls not even trolls it's it's uh <laughs> it's it's uh people stealing from others through a scam um mm-hmm. and also i think when there is a fair use of an uh, of a video uh, when you're reporting on a on a game and you're using some of the uh, i mean the let's plays are a, a hotly debated topic I don't think this applies to, um, or it shouldn't. But the fair use is really, I think, where the, the issue is, where people use a little bit of the of a video or of a trailer of a video game or a movie just to, to illustrate the point that they're talking about. And until now, the entirety of the power was in the rights holder's hand, and there was no counterbalance because even even if you got that claim resolved after you know a week or a few days, the majority of the money you're making is going to be made within the first few days. So exactly, yeah. So that was a huge issue, and I think it's indicative of the shift in in balance of power for the um, YouTube space from the old guard to some of the new guard. The the YouTubers have become so powerful that now YouTube can say to the old guard, guys, (laughs) just, you know, chill. We're good. You know, a few years ago, they had to contend with Viacom uh, suing them for, you know, however money they, however much money they had. Now it's, it's a little bit more balanced. So. Um, and finally, releases for May. Um, we're going to get a few interesting games uh, released. Let me know if you're planning on pre-ordering, buying, or waiting and seeing, or never touching. Uh, I just selected for them. There are more, uh, obviously, coming out in May, but these are the main ones. Uh, Battleborn, another hero shooter. Definitely picking this one up. I played it in the beta. It's so fun. Really? Oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, so I actually, um, I, I was a little bit, you know, we had some things to say about Battleborn in the previous episode, mainly the, the design, the, the uh, uh, visual aspect of it. I don't think it was a comment on the gameplay because, well, we haven't played it. Uh, but <laughs> I actually, I went out and, uh, and pre-ordered it. Uh, it's available relatively cheap on Amazon. It, they have Steam keys. Uh, it's for uh, 35 euros. Um, so yeah, if you, if you think you might be interested, I got it, uh, mainly because I think I'm going to be playing the solo campaign, which a lot of mm. the other hero shooters don't have. Um, and it's going to be, it's going to hold me over in the, uh, in between time, uh, between the beta of Overwatch and the release. So, um, <laughs> I went and bought it. I think it's, it's, it looks, it looks like it could be fun. And I, so apparently it is. It is. It's really fun. I played both the single player and I played um, with friends and it was just it's it's a lot of fun. So a lot is, of it, fun. is it like half a minute review? Is it like a MOBA? Is it more of a shooter? What what would you say about it? Uh, kind of a combination of both. Uh, it definitely has elements of MOBA like that is that is its kind of core gameplay. 
but it's also a shooter and, and like it's kind of got the I'm trying to remember. I've played so many games now. Um, I can't remember. Is this one first, the first person shooter one or the yeah. third? But yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember which, which <laughs> view it was, but <laughs> yeah, there are so many of those coming out now. It's yeah. Like, there's so many. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no battleborn was just, it was, it was so much fun. It's got that core MOBA type gameplay. And, but there were also a lot of different characters that you could actually play as. So it kind of reminded me of overwatch, but with more of, I guess I, I like MOBAs, so yeah, yeah. I, I like that kind of minion spawning thing, which obviously Overwatch doesn't have. I was going to say with with more of a driving force behind it than just a team kill, but Overwatch is so much more than that. So, mm. um, but yeah, it's it's definitely going to fill that space between you know now and Overwatch. But uh, but yeah, no, it was it was really really fun, very colorful, very explodey (laughs) how does the the single player campaign work though is it a series of arena maps like the multiplayer or do they actually have like different maps or uh no it's actually it's like a it's it's a guided sort of a a campaign with like bosses and things that you have to go up against yeah so it's it's not it's not like a, a moba arena it's it's more than that okay cool excellent uh second game in the list uh uncharted 4 what do you think Definitely picking this one up. I am new to the Uncharted franchise because I'm new to PlayStation. So um, I, I'm going to just play through all of this <laughs> from yeah. start to finish. Like, I can't wait to just dive right in. I've had so much fun in similar games and, and everyone speaks so highly of the Uncharted franchise that I my expectations for this are definitely really high. And I find if I go into something with really <laughs> high expectations, usually that's a bad thing. So I'm hoping that it lives up to my very high expectations. But yeah, definitely picking this one up. Yeah, my expectations are insanely high as well. I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to temper them a little bit. But um, I, so I if I want to play it when it releases in a few days, I have to buy a PlayStation 4 here. I guess I can... <laughs> sell because i'm still in japan i guess mm-hmm. i can sell it when i leave maybe i'm going to do that because <laughs> oh my god uncharted i mean uncharted i spoke very high, highly of um of modern warfare just a, a while ago um uncharted 2 was one of those games that you know in 2009 i think it was it was an incredible year for gaming um it was so such an incredible game uncharted 2 the first one was average honestly the third one was good but not as good as the second one but if they managed to recapture some of that uh you know feeling from the second one and some of the learnings they had from um the the last of us which is also a game i adored um i i'm yeah they seem to be going more of a storytelling route and it's such yeah so i'm i'm gonna get it i might even get a playstation just to play it and to play (laughs) that's saying something yeah and to play Guile in Street Fighter V. There are a few things I'm going to play too. And, you know, try Overwatch on consoles and stuff like that. Um, Doom is coming out three days after that. Uh, I think I might be FPSed out by that point. <laughs> so I'm going to wait and see what the reviews are saying. If it's not, I mean, again, nostalgia. Doom is one of my old times favorite. Yeah, it's, it's, I grew up on it. So mm-hmm. maybe, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it's definitely a wait and see for me too, only because I think if it had come out at a different time, even a couple of months earlier, I probably would have picked it up day one. But 
May is just so packed. Like, I'm really excited for all three of the, well, Battleborn, Uncharted, and Overwatch, which is the next one. So I, there's just so much already packed into May that I just I don't think I can fit another game in here. I'm I'm obviously Hearthstone just had their expansion launch. Um, I'm still actively raiding in Warcraft. Like I, oh, I don't you have are. any room for yeah. You're <laughs> I don't actively raiding room. still. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so you every, have like a every weekly? Thursday and Sunday. <laughs> so I guess at this point you you're all decked out in or maybe you're playing alts or something, but it's just to to have fun with your friends or is it just for the loot uh it's it's mostly to have fun with friends um i okay. actually pvp that's my thing so i'm fully um season three conquest geared so actually the gear that drops from raids is not an upgrade for me so okay. it's mostly just to, to hang out with friends hmm, interesting all <laughs> right so yeah doom is my maybe not the highest priority for most people yeah. Um, and finally, Overwatch coming out on the 24th. Uh, you've heard us talk about it before. It's I've pre-ordered it, obviously. I did too. <laughs> yeah. I, I've played two or 300 hours of it already during the beta. I can't wait to to finish this episode, publish it, and maybe go play it. Although, you know, I'm in Kyoto and my um, mother-in-law is, is here, so we might go visit stuff. Uh, we'll see, but I mean, yeah. Doesn't Overwatch. she know it's Overwatch beta day? Oh, she, uh, she would understand. My wife is very kind and she would just, you know, but, uh, but you know, it's also nice things to see here. So we'll see. I'm definitely going to be spending some time in the game, though, um, mm -hmm. today and tomorrow and the day after and then on the 24th. So, um, yeah, I'm guessing you're you're into it as well. Yes, definitely. Can't wait. Cool. <laughs> Hang up the call so I can go play, Patrick. <laughs> all right, all right. We're, we've been doing this for about an hour and a half. I think that's that's enough. Um, <laughs> that's enough uh, keeping you away from Overwatch. Uh, so why don't you tell us where we can find you when uh, you're not playing Overwatch, or maybe when you are streaming Overwatch? <laughs> I am Joss Plays all over the place. You can find everything I do at JossPlays.com. You can find me at Joss Plays on Twitch. I'm Joss Plays on Twitter. I'm everywhere as Joss Plays. And what do you do? What would people uh, find if they went and followed you? Uh, I have The Angry Chicken, which is a Hearthstone podcast. I have The Gamers In, which is a general but very relaxed gaming podcast. Um, I just launched a new show called Joss versus the World, which is kind of a stream podcast hybrid. So uh, I stream a multiplayer competitive game with someone who's an expert in the game. And then we do kind of like a short podcast tips and tricks afterwards. So the idea is to get people into PvP who don't necessarily usually like playing against other real players. Um, so we just launched that last week. And then, yeah, so that's that's pretty much everything that I do. Cool. I, I right really now, like but... the one the one about heroes with uh, Kyle, by the way. Are you going to oh, do you. an audio version of that, uh, of that second part of the show where you actually discuss things and give tips and tricks? That yes, that's cool. actually, it's up on iTunes. Oh, is it? Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm subscribing now. <laughs> cool. All yeah, right. So actually, Overwatch is the next title that we're doing. Uh, Dills and I, I think, are going to do that uh, probably tomorrow. So Wait, what? I'm excited. What? Yeah. What? what I, I was not your choice for the person <laughs> to give you advice on Overwatch? I'm, I'm sorry, but he's a really good teacher. <laughs> I, how do you know I'm not? All right, we'll settle that after the show has closed. All right. Uh, for me, it's not Patrick on Twitter and on Facebook, and you can find this show and uh, another cool one on Frenchspin.com. The other one is about international politics, but actually uh, a fun version of that. We had an episode where we discussed 
politics in France and how it's possible that we have such a leftist side of everyone <laughs> in, in the country. It was really fun. We had a, a genuine um, communist activist, I might even say, in, on the show, but he's a reasonable, a reasonable person, so it was fun to discuss with him. Uh, you can go check that out at frenchspin.com. And of course, if you want some uh, information about Overwatch, if you're diving into the beta, for example, you might want to check out Overwatchers. Uh, the latest episodes are, of course, fun, but we also did a bunch of um, basically basic um, uh, details, information guides, uh, episodes back on episode 7 through 11. We have a bunch of details there, so you can go check that out as well if you're interested in the game. Think that's going to be doing it for us. We will be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode. Talk to you then. Bye. Love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting one hundred dollars back and one hundred percent accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 